This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all... It's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Here in the Northern Rockies, dark winter months are outlasted in basements, dens, and nooks, where kindred souls gather together to share intel, swap fly patterns, and relive the memories from seasons past. This gathering spot known locally as the February Room is the inspiration for this podcast. No matter the season, the door is always open to those with a fly fishing story to tell. Brought to you by CD Fishing USA, the North American distributor for composite development fly rods and accessories. 40 years of Kiwi ingenuity and graphite technology now available at cd-fishing.us or your local CD USA dealer. Follow us on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. And remember to go fishing. Here's your host, the Carnoffs. And this is the February Room. I lost my father-in-law last year, Dennis. He spent his legal career defending the rights of the tribes of the Columbia Basin. People forever connected to the wild steelhead and salmon that define that region. An avid steelhead angler himself, the Deschutes River held a special place in Dennis's heart. Last year, my husband decided to pay his respects by fishing alongside one of Dennis's best friends in his favorite steelhead run. Not a few minutes in, Justin hooked and landed a gorgeous native hen, a fish that will be forever linked to his dad. Steelhead hold that kind of power over anglers, but tragically, returns of steelhead in the Columbia Basin are the lowest in recorded history, prompting a shutdown of angling on the famed Deschutes River and other tributaries. Now more than ever, these fish need advocates, such as my guest today, Josh Mills. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah, and it's kind of a somber tone to start the podcast, but it's pretty devastating what's going on right now. And I should also say, Josh, you're just a, you work with, uh, you're the development coordinator for Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, but you're also on the board of Wild Steelhead Coalition. Correct. Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, you know, I've thankfully been able to form my life uh, to try to do the best I possibly can for conservation measures, whether that be public land or, you know, the thing that holds the, the, the deepest part of my heart, what it is, anadromous fish and, and steelhead. So that's, that's kind of where we are. Well, and I think more than ever right now with everything closing down, we have to remember how important these steelhead are. And I think to myself, I might, I've never fished for steelhead. So I don't have this really close connection to how important they are. And I would love to hear one of your most memorable fishing stories uh, oh, for steelhead. 
<laughs> oh, well, there's, there's, we have a litany of, of stories, but a lot of them, you know, involve time with my father. Um, my dad's name's Faye Mills. He's 80, uh, soon to be 81 in a few months. And he's my role dog. He's the guy that goes with me 90% of the time. And he's still kicking, kicking ass right now um, through all of this and, and, and through age. He, he defies age as best as he possibly can. I just think a lot of the times I think <laughs> I think about um, just the funny things, just the subtle things that have happened over the years. Like I was telling somebody a story uh, how last year uh, we were on the Clearwater down upriver of, of Lewiston uh, below Orofino and we're fishing this run and uh, I already got, he had already caught a fish early in the day and, and uh, you know, as as per regulation in our crew, if somebody catches a fish, they're they're in the end of the conga line at that point. They don't get first pass. So I'm coming through, and swinging some uh, swinging some flies, and and then all of a sudden I see this giant fish jumping off my right, uh, excuse me, my left shoulder. As we were on we were on river left, and my dad picked the hell out of my pocket. It was just like, you know, I had obviously had already put a flies over this fish, and this fish is like, nope. And he lashed onto my this this seventeen pound hen um, attached to my dad's fly, and it's literally doing cartwheels, you know, like fifteen feet off my shoulder. I'm like, what in the hell? You know, just little things like that. Or I can think about one of the other funny times is we both like to tie flies, and he uh, uh, he developed this fly that uh, it was like you know, like if if people are out there who are uh, steelhead um, anglers and and they tie flies, there's the uh, you know the intruder style flies, two station kind of style flies. Well, he 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 made this fly, and it was like the most backwards to typical construction uh, flies. And he called it the dancing lady, and it resembled the long skirt on the back uh, and and then the front. But anyways, it was backwards to everything. And I looked at it, and it was just like. Ugh, that's awful you know it's like no way and so we go we a lot of times we were fishing the uh the snake river as we moved up towards the mouth of the grand run and and he's like you want to try it and i'm like no no not a chance in hell so a little <laughs> bit later uh in our first run he swings two fish you know and i'm like oh god his ego is just gonna go overboard and then you know we go to the next run he swings one Finally, we get to the end of the day. The score was uh, six to nothing. And granted, this was on a better fish year. You know, it's just back in the mid, uh, early, early 2010, 11, 12, somewhere in that range. Anyways, and I'm just frustrated. I'm throwing all these beautiful ornate flies that I was very happy with. And I'm getting the middle <laughs> thin. And uh, finally, in the last run, he swings his seventh fish of the day on this stupid fly. And the dancing then, lady. Yeah. And then as soon as I, I lost it, I'm like, give me one of those stinking flies. And my first swing through the run, I catch one. And he's just sitting on the bank, giggling like a 10-year-old boy. It was fantastic. So is that one of the first flies you use? Um, well, I no, guess- I hate that fly. I hate it. <laughs> And you look at my dad's like when we're when we're using sink tips and stuff like that later in the season that it's just the dancing later in versions one through five of variant uh, colors. He doesn't and I've got like fifty different flies of all different iterations, you know. And he's just got the same fly with different color combos. It's it, it's super funny. Sometimes I think that's what's so amazing about fly fly tying and flies in general is that someone's some flies that you look in the box are like no way and then oh yeah oh yeah they tend and, to be and like, the best ones yeah like and then you know a couple of years ago early season on the clear water we pull off more fishing and everybody knows what this is it's the cross from the uh the uh paper plant we also call it the stink hole in in, in lewiston it's right in town it's the first swing water on the on the on the uh clear water and it's early season like the second or so of, of august and I had spent all this time tying these ornate muddlers with perfectly shaped heads on them and all this attention to detail. And my dad pulls out of his fly box and he's like, well, I think I'll fish this muddler. And I'm like, Jesus, dad, did like a second grader with safety scissors, like cut the head on that thing. It's all ragged and gross. And I'm like, <laughs> I just, and I should have known better. Cause you know, I know I'm, I just, you know, I, I can't. So he goes through and of course he lands about a, I don't know, 12 pound hen. And then, wow. and then fast forward 366 days later, again, here we are in the same spot, like August 3rd, the next year. And he's like, well, oh, he pulls it out of his visor. He's like, I think I'll run this again. And I'm like, I'm sure you'll catch it. And yeah. He, he, he can, he got he's one. got, he's got some good mojo. Dude well, is full of mojo for sure. Well, Josh, I would love for you to kind of give a little bit more 
um, explanation of the current events of what exactly is going on with Steelhead. Could you elaborate exactly for people who don't really know what's happening? Absolutely. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's not just the Columbia right now. We have a term called distinct population segments um, that we're having issues all around uh, the Northwest, up and down from Northern California up to BC. And so, because you you can put your finger on something, uh, if one river or if another, or if the state or something is having a little bit of problems, but we got problems. Um, The Skeena is um, contemplating an entire shutdown, which is kind of the bastion of the North for Steelhead country. Uh, The Columbia right now is is on pace uh, for one of the lowest reported steelhead runs since 1938, when they started uh, counting fish over Bonneville Dam. Um, you know, it's a death of a thousand cuts. Uh, typically, the four H's uh, are what contribute to uh, a lot of problems. So that's habitat, hydro, humans, and harvest. So, uh, and then other things is that we've got some we've got some issues with changing oceanic conditions because, you know, we can control all we can control uh, from an in-river environment situation, um, and then you know if the fish aren't met with. Uh, good conditions when they head out to the North Pacific, then we've got problems. You know, that all started, um, you know, we had really good reason. When I, when I first, re- I, I started fishing for steel at around 2004, 2005, picked up a spay rod in 2009, which is the biggest return in the last, I think, 20 to 40 years. I think it was 2009, there was like a way over 600,000 fish over Bonneville. Uh, typical 10 year average, um, is anywhere from 250 to 300,000 fish over Bonneville Dam, which is the first counting marker on the uh, on the Columbia. And uh, and so in 15, 16, we had some really bad uh, in-river conditions. We had drought and really hot water. Uh, it really bottomed out pretty heavily in 28. We thought we hit the bottom in 28, um, 2017, when it was just barely over 100,000 fish over Bonneville. So we're talking, you know... 30 to 40% of the 10 year average this year uh, on the, on the, on the bond, excuse me, at uh, on the Columbia, I've been watching the dam counts at Bonneville just kind of come on, let's go, you know, and waiting for these fish to start moving. And uh, we were, we, it was just, nothing was happening on that front end. Cause typically you start to see the front edges of the run come start on the first of May and, and, and start to move as through June. And it really starts to hit its peak um around the first peak typically comes in the first week of 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 august and where we would normally have 2500 to 3000 fish over the dam uh we were getting like 300 and it was just horrific to watch um you know and and uh and the fact of the matter is it's just that front edge of the run is looking really bad it looked really bad and uh the alarm bell started to go off and and we needed to try to figure out you know what's going on and and you know the fact that we just it, it, the, the the deficit is so much right now on the front end of the run that even I I believe a a, a really big rally at the back end of the run you know because everybody's like maybe they're late maybe they're late and conditions this year did mirror um, what happened in 2017 when we had 73 degree water at Bonneville because there everything's very very temperature dependent right um, and. Uh, we had the very, I mean, like it was like nothing. And then all of a sudden we had a rally at the back end of the ha- back end. But I just, I, it, we shouldn't have to depend on uh, a miracle for us to, to have a, a fishable amount of, of steelhead returned to the Columbia Basin. You know, there has been some life in the last 10 days or so at Bonneville because the temperature drop went from 73 to under 60, 69, 68 degrees. And so we had a couple of days, 1700 fish, 1600 fish, but really we should have 3000 in my opinions. So, yeah, it's, um, there is some life right now there, but it's, it's nothing to write home about, to be honest with you. I mean, every time I see a steelhead picture, I mean, I really look at the fish. I don't, because you have to imagine the journey that that fish has gone on. I mean, I I mean, it's really the the story of life, right. To try and make it to the top, you know, to, and the fact that someone can catch, and I remember we had someone, and this was a while back, that in a, a mile stretch of water, there's probably, and this was a while ago, this was like, there's probably one steelhead in there. I mean, you think about that. That is mm-hmm. incredible. And to have the opportunity to catch one of those fish on their long journey mm-hmm. is um, 
it's pretty remarkable. It really starts from, uh, you know, one of the reasons I fell in love with the fish is so much a number one, you know, salmon and steel are the, as, as, um, as David James Duncan says, to see if I can get his quote right, that uh, salmon and steelhead are the Eucharist of the Northwest, uh, especially from a tribal standpoint, you know, and First Nation standpoint. And but also I also look at it as the incredible story that starts from that from, you know, the moment they burst out of their egg sacs, because you have a fish that is, it, it, as we like to say, is ultimately a plastic fish because it gives it has so many different life cycles and so many different expressions of life histories that um, whoever you call the creator or whatever uh, a god or whatever has given these fish the ability to weather and withstand um, some pretty crazy things right so genetically trout just regular old trout uh, and steelhead uh, are there's nothing different with them there's there's absolutely nothing there's just a portion of their genetic code that gets turned on and especially a little more females uh, go to the ocean and get big so then you know you have some uh, juveniles that will spend one year two years three years in the in in, a, in river and sometimes even more depending on uh, the makeup of a river system and here's here's another weird factoid steelhead down migrate backwards they point their nose upstream and paddle backwards to the ocean what i had yeah. no idea yeah yeah so they down migrate that way right so and and now we've you know we've stacked the deck especially with the lower snake river dams we're talking specifically within the snake river system um they have eight major dams to cross um and then they go out to the ocean uh, we don't know exactly where they go. Uh, and then guided by smell and telemetry and just about any other voodoo science that we don't know anything about, they come back to the river, their origin, right? And then here's the other part about this too that's crazy is that um, some steelhead go out to the ocean, spend six months, some spend a year, some spend two, spend three. And, you know, I don't know if there's any four salt, but, um, you know, you've got a situation where, uh, you've got a fish that maybe is a two salt fish, a 10 to 14 pound fish will come back and then it'll come in there and, you know, to spread genetic uh, um, diversity um, that, that let's say a 14 pound hen um, typically will mate with uh, multiple partners uh, mm-hmm. as well as in river, just rainbows um, males that are, are sexually mature can come in fertilized eggs. So you have multiple eggs, in a bat, you don't have all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. So, you know, if I can, if I can provide some solace in, in a front end of this, a friend of mine, Chris Wiki, uh, was talking about. He's like, you know, uh, you know, God has given uh, these steelhead a ability to uh, withstand just about anything. And long after we're gone, long, you know, if, if that ever mm-hmm. happens, there's going to be a fish that goes out to the ocean, and it's going to come back. And it's going to figure out a way to become a steelhead again and repopulate these rivers because the, the code is there for them to be able to do that. We're just we just tried it. We've just been impeding the hell out of them for, you know, 150 years. Why do you think it took? I mean, it seems like the numbers have always kind of been really low. Mm-hmm. Why do you think it took this long to finally be like, hey, stop, like, let's take a moment and on that note, do you think it's going to take longer than just this season, just to take a hit the pause button? You know, and, and so much about this is it's an intensely politicized uh, fish. It is uh, you've got multiple jurisdictions, you have tribal, you've got three states, you've got multiple user groups, and everybody wants a piece of the pie, right? So. Um, you know, we're still waiting for the state at this time. Here we are in the as we record today on the first day of September of 2021. We're still waiting for the state of Washington and state of Idaho to to get off their butts and figure out what they're going to be doing. Uh, the initiatives I and mean, the um, the things that the state of Oregon and ODFW has decided to do is is a start. Uh, but you know, we still have we still have a lot of conflict and a lot of problems. But a lot of it is is just you know, what can people do? You know, a lot of it is just like, I get, I get frustrated because people are like, well, I can't do anything about it. But I'm like, I think, I think if we change the tenor, I think if we remind ourselves that this isn't, you know, steel that are never a fish of, mul- of, of multiples of giant numbers, 
like salmon that come in these giant rushes and, and can be overwhelming. Steelhead are kind of on the edge. They're kind of a mysterious fish. Um, they're really not that hard to catch. It's just a matter of finding them and getting in a, a fly or, or, a, or a bait in front of them. Um, it's just a matter of, um, we just don't have a ton of them and that's the thing. And, you know, it's changing the tenor. It's, it's realizing that you don't have to catch 12 a day to have a great day. Um, you know, you don't have to do it. And, you know, I'm guilty of that. I've had days where I, you know, I swung 10 fish and, you know, what does that mean? Do, do I need it for my ego? And it's just, it's a lot of, it's a lot, there's a lot of doing this. And, and back to your original question of is one year enough? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Cause you know, we're always, there's all, there's always a little bit of the voodoo science that it kind of goes associated with what, what's coming, you know, cause next year we're going to be, you know, in 2022, what were the out, especially with the, um, within the Columbia, what were the out migrating conditions of, uh, 2019 and 2020, uh, and even into late 2021, because these, uh, because some of these fish don't spend a ton of time in the ocean and some spend two years, you know, were they met with good conditions on the North Pacific? Because that's one thing with the North North Pacific current that it brings deep upwelling of very, you know, because like back in like 20, 2008, 9 and 10, there's spectacular oceanic conditions and met with great in-river conditions for the ones that came back and the ones that are out migrating. So the good thing happened and, and these fish are fighters and they can and they can they can bounce back. Thankfully, that's good. I don't know how long it's going to take. I just think we need to understand that that uh, um, we have a finite resource and we just have to be as best stewards as possible, as best we possibly can from an individual standpoint, all the way through to a um, department, state department and federal level as well. Well, and I think what's the hard thing about, you know, people want to take pauses with everything is because with passion, passion comes with experience, right? Absolutely. I love trail running because I experience it and I like getting mm -hmm. up to the top. Mm -hmm. And it's also like, how do we get, keep the community loving steelhead if they don't get to experience being on the water and catching them? And I haven't experienced that. And I've heard, I've had people on the podcast who just love steelhead. And I, I want to feel that. Like I want to experience that feeling of mm -hmm. um, having a hen on my line That's and seeing, seeing her and seeing the journey that she's came on. So I understand how some people are like, we need to keep people being interested in these fish. Um, I remember, I think on your post, you said we need to get off the sidelines. So as somebody who hasn't experienced steelhead fishing sure. and doesn't really know what to do, like how can I help recover these fish so I can experience it and have more of like a, be an advocate because a lot of people probably haven't fished for steelhead. Yeah. And, you know, I invite people to, to experience it, especially when, I mean, I, there's nothing better for me than when I take something, take somebody for the first time, teach them how to swing a fly. And then all of a sudden, uh, their, their world is rocked by a fish that absolutely just destroys them. I think about my buddy, Billy Hubanks, like, uh, his wife bought him a, a guided trip a couple of years ago. And, uh, my buddy, uh, Kelby took him and he, I was fortunate enough to come and it was his first time he'd caught fish on a single hand rod, you know, nymphing, which is totally fine. Uh, but there's something special about just getting your arm yanked off. Uh, and, and, uh, and <laughs> when, when you get connected and, and I remember we were, Kelby and I were sitting on the bank talking and we had given, uh, Bill a, uh, a lesson in spay casting that day and he was just an absolute natural. And, um, uh, we're getting towards the last run and we're, I mean, we were just jaw jacking on the beach, just waiting in Billy's swing. It just so happened to be the first, the place I caught my first swung fly steelhead, um, uh, 10 years prior. And uh, he, I looked down and he's absolutely just getting tornadoed by a fish. And I'm like, you're supposed to yell, man, when you caught a fish on him. <laughs> we get down to him. Don't and keep it, was, it to yourself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're not excited, you're not invited. I mean, let's figure this out. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, and you know, he is so focused and so freaked out. I can see the like terror on the inside. I mean, this is a guy who's a Purple Heart recipient. This guy is, wow. you know, he's, he's, uh, he's, a, he's a dude you know and, yeah and he you know finally we get that fish landed and i've never seen an an adult man like shake like that you know because he just he, it's just it's just something i just it's kind of that inexposed uh, inexplicable how does this how does a fish 
a slimy, stupid fish affect a, affect a person and an adult like that. It's, it just, it's such a, it's such an amazing thing. And so, you know, how do you, how do you get involved? Right. And I think it's number one is, as understanding the state of affairs. So becoming, uh, I think there's, um, for the folks who are curious, I think one of the things you can do is really try to understand what's going on and not, uh, not to put the wool over anybody's eyes to, to understand that we've got some bullshit we're dealing with right now. And uh, in terms of, you know, uh, you know, depressed populations and so on and so forth, right? So get to know the, the state of affairs. Uh, number two is um, become engaged with, I think anybody, I would, I would also invite people to find the group, find the, the conservation group that, that speaks to them the most. For me, it was a Wild Steelhead Coalition because a great group of people that uh, really punch above their weight and uh, try to be as as the Lorax says, the voice for the trees. But uh, we try to be the voice for the steelhead, you know, and try to you know let science lead our way, and uh, and do as much impact. Uh, there's other great groups out there like Wild Steelheaders United. There's the Native Fish Society. There's Northwest Steelheaders. There's plenty of you know wherever you are in steelhead country, whether you're in Southern California or you're in Northern BC, or if you're in Arizona, you know, if you find yeah. a passion for it, it doesn't matter. Uh, see how, what are the, what are the work projects? What are the things they're advocating for? What are um, some, some of the um, action alerts that you can participate in? You know, all these different things um, will be there to um, engage upon. You know, if I, if you, if there are some rivers uh, that are open, uh, I would encourage a person to go fishing. Absolutely. Uh, You know, catch and release mortality is, Luckily, and if you do it right and, and, and fight them properly and all that, things like that, you know, it's sub 3% on most, most times. But, uh, you know, if you, let's say, let's say you go steal a fishing and you catch two, maybe you, it's okay for you to, that's enough for the day. Maybe it's two or three or, you know, but not feeling like you have to catch every fish in the river. Um, yeah. Because it's, again, these aren't, these aren't bass. Uh, these aren't stock trout. Uh, we are lucky in certain river systems to have enough that are were available to fish. So, you know, that's one thing. And then the other part about this is um, get to know who your game and fish officers are. Get to know who are the commissions. Get and just just engage. Just you know, right. be a person who is uh, up on the subject and pull the wool from, from your eyes and understand what the hell's going on. And, um, and I think that's, that's the number thing is, is, you know, it's to be said that, uh, for those, for folks to stop fishing, will will, the river will lose advocates. Right. And that's true. And that's going to be true. But, um, we're in a state that right now, not state of a, but a state of affairs where we just don't have excess fish to screw around with, uh, within this run. Cause there is a, there's a term called escapement and escapement is the number of fish that a river basin or river needs to be able to reseed the next year, to have enough adults to put on the <clears throat> on the gravel uh, that will allow um, fish to come back in the following years. We're teetering on the level right now that we don't have enough fish to to meet escapement. At least I haven't seen the what are the escapement goals for the Snake River Basin. But I'm telling you right now, when when we typically see a hundred to hundred and fifty thousand uh, fish over over Lower Granite, which is the last dam in the Snake River system. Um, we're not going to make anywhere near that this year. Yeah. Well, and it's okay to be patient and wait. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I think we teach our kids how to be patient, like be patient. And now a brief message from our sponsors. Flylab Reels provides silky smooth disc drags at a click and fall price. Paired with mid-arbor spool for quick line retrieval, the Flylab family of fishing reels is the best value on the river. With four models to choose from, priced from $99 to $249, you won't find these reels anywhere other than the local CD dealer or at cd-fishing.us. And remember to go fishing. I love fighting fish, and we just came back from Wisconsin, and I've never okay. fished smallmouth before. And these oh are the, <laughs> and these were on, these were like really they aren't like lake smallmouth. These are on the river, river so they're river. Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it was like beyond blew my mind. I was like told my husband, I was like, why have I not fished for the? I'm not gonna fish for. I'm not gonna go back to like rainbows and trout. Like I want a fighting fish. Oh, yeah. And so my husband, he goes, you would love steelhead. Oh, so. Yeah. 
are they pretty fun fighting fish? Oh God. Let me, let me give you back off for two, sorry, kind of something that kind of in my mind and I'll circle back to that question yeah. too as well. Uh, absolutely. They're, they're fighters. Uh, but um, I, I think about like, it's okay for us to take a pause, like what you were saying. Um, yeah. Like I, it's, it's, I'm going to be hell on pheasants and chucker and, and uh, on geese and ducks and probably spend my time. Cause I always want to be outside. Right. I mean, if, if I can't, if I can't be on the grand run or the snake or the clear water, well, I'm going to find my ways into, you know, maybe do a little more deer hunting, maybe a little bit more uh, trout fishing. Uh, and then uh, the other thing is just like you were saying, especially at the Columbia and the uh, snake river systems, we have an overabundance of, of uh um bass so turn your attention turn turn your attention to the invasive bass you know right? go fishing for them and, and the other thing is that those things turn into two delicious fish tacos so oh. uh you know i'm not never opposed to that let me tell you that much i got some from i got some bass in the from the grand run in my freezer right now that will be making its way to some uh coconut oil here soon enough amazing um, and then back to what you were saying about in terms of the fight and that's the thing that people really will will lose their mind for it's is um it's this cat and mouse game that you end up playing with these fish uh from steelhead perspective because it's like you have some that rise uh and, and are just savage and take a skater off the off the top a, a skated dry fly uh, and then like i think about the fish that i caught last year on the clear water when it when i hooked up it looked like a 10 inch brown trout taking a trico on the missouri it was just you know just barely off the top and, and then they sometimes you know so this i think i've got like this like you know sub adult maybe 15 to 20 inch rainbow uh who never went out to the ocean and it turned out to be a 36 inch wild hen uh wow. that as soon as i got it, it like woke up and it went ape shit. you know it probably jumped six times and uh, he, he, I don't think I've ever seen line disappear off my off my reel as fast as those things, and and they just absolutely rip and burn and go. And, and, <laughs> and they, it's not because they're just big, you know. Like I've heard stories of like you know guys who fish for pike or muskie, and they're they're looking for the grab and that first initial thing because right. they're really not you know something that 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 is excessive fighters. But you know, steelhead can absolutely just beat your ass and i think that's and then it, it, like i've had some that i've like tussled with and i don't even know what happened and the, they spit the fly after running for like you know 150 feet and you're, you're sure it's on and then all of a sudden it's just gone and you're like whoa, whoa. Yeah. or then you have times where like you know it's you know i think i think steelhead are inherently a uh, a very curious fish that don't have any uh hands and so what do they have they've got their mouth you know something comes by and they pick it up and they want to f and this is just my own guess you know and other people yeah. hold this hold this belief but you'll have times where they absolutely take almost take the rod out of your hands and then other times that it feels like a mouse uh, a cat playing with a mouse who's just kind of swatting at it a little bit you know like well you have these little grabs and and then you know it's like okay well it didn't want to eat that fly so i'm going to come back and then you change i've I, one time i changed flies five times on a swing uh because you'll you'll get it, it just wouldn't commit but you knew the fish was coming up and tapping at it yeah. and then you put the right magic you put the you put the right coin in the slot and boom you're you're off and, that is the best feeling. Oh. It's almost like you're like, I, I, I figured out the puzzle. Like I figured yes. it out. I yes. it was. Yes. Yes. And then you feel like you're the best angler in the world. Like I am like, the oh. greatest. <laughs> I knew what it wanted. It just took me four tries because when you lose a fish, I swear, I feel like I never blame the fish. I always blame myself. Like what I did wrong. Like, Oh, you didn't, yeah. you yeah. didn't let it run long enough or you didn't like, you know, gosh, when I catch one of these small mouth and it was huge. And I just, I haven't really practiced probably cause I haven't caught a big enough fish. I just always kind of normally strip it in. And I uh -huh. need to take it to the reel. And my hand, uh -huh. my, my fingers were burning from like, you know, stripping the line. <laughs> and I was like walking towards the bow of the boat. And Justin's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm trying to bring in this fish. He's like, you need to figure out how to, you know, get, get, get the fish on the reel. And I was like, okay, well, I've just never <laughs> caught a big enough fish where I need, like, they're all pretty complacent, the fish that I've caught. Like, they're very nice and they're calm. And the, the smallmouth, I was like, 
I literally put the the rod over my shoulder and started walking with it. I was like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> He's like, you look ridiculous. I'm like, mm-hmm. I didn't say I was going to be good at this, but it sure as hell was so much fun. And um, I can't wait to have that experience with Steelhead. Yep. And I can be patient. I can sit and wait. I think what also, and I don't mean to, you know, I think what's also really hard is, you know, steelhead is also a money maker. I know that there's mm-hmm. guys that depend on getting mm-hmm. people on the water mm-hmm. and I don't know what they need to do. I, I don't know if there's like a guide relief program that they can just like, Hey, sit tight. Like you can be taken care of too, while we take care of these other resources. Cause we just mm-hmm. don't want to love it to death. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, another story just came up, and don't let me yeah. forget about that that guide question you had. But uh, in terms of being patient, uh, and just I want a quick story for those who may not know this story about the Elwha. Um, and the Elwha is a river on the Olympic Peninsula, just outside of Port. Uh, is it Port Angeles? I think it's just out of Port Angeles. I may get my towns mixed up a little bit. Anyways, uh, they had two major dams on that system that were derelict, and they took them out. I forget, you know, it was like twenty. 13, 14, something like that. I, I get my dates a little bit. I'm paraphrasing. Anyways, um, the headwaters of the entire stream were inside uh, the Olympic National Park. So never subject to any rainbow stocking. And so everything above those dams were pure genetic rainbows that were endemic, uh, that were endemic to those rivers. So the thought was, and, and so there, they only had, but below the dams, I think they had like three or four miles uh, to the mouth of the ocean um, to be, and so there wasn't any summer steelhead. And typically on the Olympic Peninsula, there's not a lot of summer steelhead. They tend to be more winter steelhead there. But okay. anyways, they it, this became a petri dish, uh, if you will, for um, recovery. And uh, this is a little bit different, but it speaks to the resiliency of steelhead. And what happened was is that the biologists and people like John McMillan um, and other leading scientists were like, our bet is those fish will turn anadromous within a life cycle. And so what they did with, I think it was, in my dates are a little bit off, but I think within about two or three years, they started to see significant numbers of summer run steelhead in the Elwha. So what had happened is these fish went, the, the bell was rung for them who had never been to the ocean before, went out to the ocean, got big, became steelhead and came back. And I think within, again, the dates are a little bit off, but I think one of the, I think it was the 2018 or 2019, they did certain snorkel surveys and their estimates, there was near 2000 summer run steelhead who had populated that river, not from out of basin, not meaning not from other river systems, but from the fish that were behind the dams. So, you know, you, that's, I mean, they, they, they start, they called that story rising, you know, the Phoenix rising because these sons of guns hadn't seen, hadn't been able to become an adromist for well over 110 years, 120 years. And so, you know, that, that genetic code, if we just get out of these sons of guns ways, a lot of the times, you know, and that, and that's, and that speaks to, you know, like, and we can talk about this later, but the lower four snake river dams are kind of the, you know, the straw that breaks the camel's back. So back to the guide thing. And I, I, you know, this is, just, this is a, something I struggle with because, you know, I learned, I, I got my passion. Uh, I got my, I got my start uh, from going with guides. Um, mm-hmm. And I still go with guides to this day. A lot of my friends are, are amazing guides, steelhead yeah. guides and our trout guides or whatever. My conundrum becomes my love for my friends, but at the same time, these steelhead and salmon and anything that use these river systems are a public resource. Um, You know, we can't have a tragedy of the commons here because that's what we're staring at. And so I wrote an article and maybe I'll send it to you. You can put it in the show notes or whatever, but it was, uh, it's called, uh, what does the river owe us? And what do the fish owe us? Um, and, and I tread lightly with this subject, but because I feel for folks, I was talking to a guy who's been guiding for 30 years uh, on the Grand Ronde system and he's very conflicted this fall, you know, and the likelihood is he's going to get shut down by the state anyways, 
but I mean, there's become the moral issue of what do you do when there's not enough to go around? It's a public resource. We, these are, these are a kid in Bellingham. There's an old guy in Spokane. There's a person in the Tri-Cities of the state of Washington. And there's somebody in Kamii or Orofino. They're all our fish. They're not one guy's fish. And just because when the, when the resource is down, I don't believe people have a right to make, you know, to, to continue going and in the face of, of a situation where we can all look at it and objectively say, we need to pull back. And so I hope there is some guide relief programs. I don't know any of, uh, know any at this point. And they're stuck in a rock in the hard place because a lot of right. guides became guides to be able to show, to show the, their passion to other people. And granted, it is a money-making situation. Mm-hmm. But I look at my friend, like my friend Jeff Hickman, on the uh, who guy, he's one of the biggest names in all of Steelhead. Uh, he has lodges on the Dean River in BC. He has got an operation called Fish the Swing, which is also a, it does tent camps and guides almost every day, typically on the Deschutes and the Lower Deschutes. Uh, he decided to forego an entire season from July, oh. uh, from late July moving forward he is not he gave up all of his dates he he basically shut down his guiding fleet of three guys who are you know make their a majority of their income it's probably well north of six figures of guiding income between oh. you know between you know between the, the company itself right but he is leading by example and he's putting money where his mouth is and you know and some people are just gonna have to understand <laughs> this is not the year to break the back this is not the year to shoot the last buffalo. <laughs> We're not in that situation, yeah. but it's like, I, Lord help us if we are. But, you know, this is not the year where we can assert right. I believe, again, I'm going to underscore to my friends out in the guiding community is that I feel your pain. I feel all of our pain in a collective uh a tornado of shit that we're all having to take a bite out of right now. The hope is, is that this is temporary. God help it if it isn't, but I hope it's temporary. Well, and I think you make a really good comment. You said about this being like a public resource. And I think sometimes we get confused just because it means public and it's open to everybody doesn't mean that we can use it all the time. And I think with also backcountry hunters and anglers as -hmm. the development coordinator, you probably see is that, Hey, we are, we have public access and we want everyone to access these resources in this mm-hmm. land and these waters. Mm-hmm. But we also have to be, um, we have to also make sure that we can keep those being public access yep. because if they yep. start, if we start depleting everything, no mm-hmm. one's going to want to go there. Like elk yep. hunting and, yep. you know, yep. like we also have to be stewards for our that's, own. That's the word. You, that's, that's the yeah. word right there. We have to be stewards. We have to be able to look at it from a, from a, a macro level, a macro level down to a micro level. We have to look at it from basin and basin to basin to basin. We have to go, what's going on in the snake? What's going, I mean, the North Umqua, thankfully, which is also one of the, like the, you know, preeminent uh, streams in all of Steelhead. I mean, that's the land of Zane Gray and other places, you know, that made famous over the years and, uh, and, and Frank Moore and all these people that are, you know, on the pantheon of steelhead fishing, um, they shut down till December 1st. You know, typically, uh, that's that's one of the best places in the world to go. But they they saw the writing on the wall, so the biologists and everybody went and it's like, let's shut this shit down. You know, because we have to be stewards about this thing. Right. We have to keep the seeds there for future generations. We can't keep pushing and kicking the can down the road. We so just can't. I, yeah, and I have a question because I I'm not. I know steelhead are in trouble. I don't, I'm not very like, so you say summer steelhead, winter steelhead. Mm-hmm. Our mm-hmm. winter steelhead is just in trouble as a summer steelhead. Like, do we need to be yeah, concerned? Yeah, yeah, it, it has a lot to do with like, uh, the number one is um, they spend a lot of time in river. So they're subject to predation. They're spent, subject to a long, you know, they spend one to three to four years in, in the river, right? So they're right. subject to a lot of things like other fish, like, uh, like pinks or chum or anything like that. They're born in the river and they get flushed out to the ocean, right? So they're just not as subject to um, what's the other multitudes of factors, right? Uh, they, they, we have a real problem with, with the hydropower system on, on the Columbia. Uh, it's mostly on the lower snake, the lower four snake river dams. Um, but 
you have things like over on the Olympic Peninsula, which is quote unquote the last best place. Uh, they're missing they're missing escapement goals year after year on a lot of the famous rivers like the Ho and the Bogey and and the Kalawa and all these other places. And you know, thankfully last year they they over there, for instance, they took they took some preventative measures and, and it was very controversial. Uh, but they you know they you know, they they took a, the option of being able to fish out of a boat because it provided you, you need to provide some fish some in river right. uh, refuge and uh, the ability to not be harassed at all times. Um, but yeah, the winter steelhead are in, in, in a very similar boat and winter steelhead, um, just for the, for the general public are, are fish that enter typically in, in the river systems, uh, which are more coastal, uh, and by variety. I think, I think the Lewis river is the farthest up river, the Columbia. I could be wrong. <laughs> I get this wrong sometimes, but like on the Columbia, there are some tributaries, uh, lower in the system where winter steelhead are come in. Uh, but most of the time winter steelhead are, are in shorter, uh, higher gradient um, coastal rivers like the ones in the Olympic Peninsula, uh, the Oregon coast like the Nestaca or Nehalem, um, down the way down to on in Northern California with the Russian and the eel and stuff like that. And of course, some river systems have both summer run ants and um, a winter run fish as well. Wow. I mean, it's just pretty incredible. Either way you put it, these fish are, oh. they are incredible. And I, I hope that, you know, I, in the very beginning, I talk about Justin and his first catch mm -hmm, with, you mm -hmm. know, after his dad passed away. And I swear, looking at that picture, I always look at the steelhead because it did look just like the sun hit him perfectly. And, and it's almost fish. like, yeah, and you do feel like you just touch something that's, you know, your journey of life in general. Um, before, you know, I'd love to hear just one more great steelhead fishing story. So that way people can just, you know, remember how beautiful these fish are and remarkable. Oh, here's a great story. Here's here's a fabulous yeah, story. Okay, so Dad and I are on the Clearwater with my good friend Ryan Bailey, and we're moving along, and uh, we fished this one run, and I catch at that time my biggest steelhead to date. He was uh, a 16 pound buck that was perfectly wild, amazing fish, and absolutely just crystal perfect example of an inland. Uh, summer run, B run, you know, it's something that has been out in the ocean two or three years and just hefty, big fins are perfect. Like, oh, like this is the, <laughs> this is the top of the stinking mountain, right? So we got like an hour left in the day because it's like, it's like December, actually December, yeah, uh, December 26th, which is in our family and amongst our friends is kind of almost a little more of a holy day because we always try to go steal the fishing on December 26th and it's always been really good for us because, uh, we, you, you know, thankfully blessed with good weather and, uh, you know, the fish are in and, and usually we do pretty well on that day. Anyway, so back to this day, and this is another dang story about Old Man River, my dad. Uh, uh, besting me, but this is one of the better ones that I've seen. So, uh, you know, here I am. I'm on top of the god dang mountain right here. I'm just like happier than a clam. I'm I'm in the back of of the conga line. I'm I'm third, and all of a sudden I see my dad hooked up, and the sun is setting, and it's you know it's just perfect and, and everything. But I can tell he's just got an absolute giant of a steel him. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? You couldn't give me a half a stinking hour on the top of the mountain here? And he ends up landing a 42-inch buck. And on the on in, for those that have fished the uh, Clearwater, uh, there's a special run of fish called B-runs uh, that are the top, top, top of the, of the echelon, um, some well north of 20 pounds. Um, and this thing is absolutely kicking his ass. And I'm just, I'm just... Excuse the tame. I'm MFing the guy the whole time up and down the bank. Cause that's just you know, like, are you freaking kidding me, dad? And my buddy Ryan is just laughing and having a great old time. Finally, after about 10 minutes, he gets this thing and it was 42 inches wild buck, double red band stripe, huge fish. And I'm like, really? You couldn't give me 25 minutes on top of the mountain, you son of a gun. You know, and, and, <laughs> but it's that come right. But it's, it, it, you know, it, 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 we've got this great picture. I'm holding the fish and he's standing next to me. So it's fun. And, you know, uh, you know, I, I also think about, you know, you know, my friend Ryan, I think about the first time I took him swinging on the, on the, uh, on the snake and he's so excited. He, he, he hooks this fish and he starts lifting the rod and he's like, fish, fish, fish. And then he, 
and 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 then he starts pulled, walking he backwards. He eventually kind of pulled it out of the fish's mouth, and it was just a goof. And, and he's he's turned into one a one hell of a steelhead angler. But it's I think I I think it's 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 the blend of community. It's the yes. blend of brotherhood and sisterhood. It's the blend of friendship along with the rivers and the environment and all the things that go around that, that I just have latched onto. And I will fight my ass off to make sure that it's still there uh, when I'm 80, like my dad. Well, I hope I get the opportunity to go fishing. If not, I'm, I'm all about saving these amazing fish yeah, because steelhead yeah. um i think that they kind of resemble um a lot of like life journey like i've said oh, yeah. numerous times on this podcast but i do i'm always like and those i mean if you think you've you've gone through a hard time i mean i'm scared of the ocean and those things <laughs> those things made it like i mean there's so many scary things like i think about that I'm like they probably have seen some really scary things in the ocean and then they yeah. make their way up and yeah. It's pretty, I mean, it's really incredible that like, I mean, determination. And like you said, in their brain, they're like, we're going to make it and I'm going to make some babies. And then I'm going to say, see you later. I mean, talk about a, a life of just, yeah. um, yeah. of cause, you know? And yeah. I, yeah. I think about, you know, I think what an intelligence system that was designed with, with regard to, I mean, here you've got, you've got these little fish that go out to the ocean and become this marine protein delivery system both salmon and steelhead coming back in and, and just like the dna of salmon and steelhead exist in the trees and and just it, it's just it's such a beautiful symbiosis that i just we need to keep going well you know you think about it they should probably have done instead of finding nemo they should probably have done a steelhead story because i mean gosh that could have been <laughs> like a a total life journey i mean oh my god the clownfish i mean they could have had a steelhead story i mean i bet oh, okay if yeah. disney starts taken off on a on a steelhead fishing story we all know where they got the idea right here with you yes, and i Josh. yes lauren it is <laughs> you trademark that immediately i'm gonna trademark it right now i'm gonna start thinking of i'm gonna start thinking of some names for it um josh if people are wanting to learn more about um steelhead and maybe have some questions for you because you're so well um you're such a huge advocate what's the best method for people to reach out to you sure um well first thing i'm going to point you towards is the wild steelhead coalition yes and that is uh the group that i advocate for and i'm on the board for you can find them at wildsteelheadcoalition.org and uh, uh you can also find them on instagram um, I, I suppose the easiest way to find me uh, is on Instagram is at Millsfly, M-I-L-L-S-F-L-Y. And, um, you know, if anybody reaches out to you, Lauren, I'll give you my email address so that uh, anybody can reach out to me. Because if we can inspire, if we can educate, if we can help and turn more people into advocates, uh, we're doing our job. Go to thefebruaryroom.com where you can access a complete library of our podcast and read more about our guest their fishing stories, and favorite fly patterns. We're always looking for exceptional fly fishing yarns, and if you have one to spin, shoot us an email at info at thefebruaryroom.com. The February Room is always free, but if you feel like throwing a nickel in the pond, we appreciate any additional listener support. For companies and individuals interested in sponsorship opportunities, please contact us for our media kit. Thanks for stopping by the February Room. And we'll see you down here next week.